I'm sorry. If you guys are just getting in here, we're laughing. Oh, <laughs> Notre Dame. Notre Dame football. <laughs> no, Notre Dame football. Man, their basketball, their basketball program is just better. Let's let's get to the show. And that's not much though. Boy to snap, ram with the hole to send it to free football. Snap, spot. Blocked. Yeah! Yeah! Oh, no! yeah! It's blocked! Shaheen Brown got his man on it! Fire up the war chance and plant the spear! Those win! It's changed. It has. Hmm. Yeah, it has changed. That's interesting. All right. Well, so that's been that way. Well, I thought that was going to be ready for Wednesday. It wasn't, but it's it's ready it, now. It was not, but it is. There will be something new for Wednesday. Most likely ready now. Um, I mean, that what, was a, awesome. what a week of college football, by the way. This was absolutely insane. insane. Um, a lot of upsets, and we're going to be talking about a lot of them uh, throughout the day, and even even some. Some extra stuff here and there, of course, we're going to be bringing back, like we had last week, best and worst of the week, amongst with a lot of other stuff. But uh, welcome to Sunday. It's also NFL week one, so uh, in about 10 minutes, we're probably going to have football games on the side watching for the NFL guys. But uh, right now, it's college football, so let's uh, let's get right into it. And we can start with week two in general. Insane week. So many ghoul matchups. Great matchups, in fact. Some we didn't think were going to be great. Some that we thought were going to be great and ended up being just absolutely phenomenal. Say Baylor BYU last night. Mm-hmm. We're going to have all that again. The Sun Belt Conference was wild yesterday, and uh, somebody pissed them off, and they they were out here ready to roll. But we talking about mm-hmm. all of those wins, uh, three Power Five upsets yesterday between the Sun Belt teams. So that was that was something. That, well, not sorry, three. Three up, two upsets on Power Five teams, one on Notre Dame. That I don't know that we can call an upset anymore. Uh, we'll be well, back into our players of the week as we did last week, and our Loudmouth Top Twenty Five will wrap up the show. So, with that, out further ado, I was kind of stalling for Colin here. I know he's yeah, we're I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in now. All are right. we ready to go? We are ready to go. Come we on. are ready. All right. All right, give me a we're second. Ready. We're ready. Come on, come on. <laughs> Stalling here. Okay. Okay. We got it. You ready? Go. Is it going to process? (laughs) Live. Live things. This is why I was waiting. I didn't want to stall too bad. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. The first game we're going to talk about is number one Alabama on the road at Texas. And, boy, there's a lot to talk about in this game. Uh, First off, I want to bring it up. The safety guys. Was it a safety? Was it not? What do you guys think? Yes. By yeah. rule, yes, safety. Yeah. Before he threw the ball, he was his his shin, shin was, was on the ground. That's a safety. Is shin not on the ground? That's intentional grounding. A lot of people are wanting to say, "Oh, oh, well, see, it hit the defender." Doug, his intent was to ground the ball to not take a safety. He was inside the pocket, which an Alabama right. fan tried to tell me he wasn't. I'm like, just because the ball started on the left hash. So I get he was outside the left hash. The hashes ain't the pocket. The pocket is tackle to tackle. Everybody knows this about football. It's just, it's mind-boggling. The excuses that, that, that got made for this game yesterday were absolutely insane. insane. And, oh. and this is not to say that Texas is bad, because they're not bad. 
they actually played a phenomenal game. And when Quinn Ewers went down, I thought this game was full on over with the injury. Yeah. You see there, he left in the first quarter with a shoulder injury. They called it a, cl- a sprained clavicle or a clavicle sprain. Not sure that he'll be back next week. I'm hoping he is because he looked great in this game. If he stayed in this game, this, we might be talking about a different outcome. Now, I'm not going to be that guy. But, man, well, was this game – the feel of this game with quarterback going down in the first quarter, I went right back to the national championship game with Colt McCoy going down in the first quarter. That is the I'll, first thing that came to my mind. I'll be the guy, okay? I didn't buy into that argument in 2009 with Colt McCoy, but I, I do. I do now. I do. I legitimately believe that Quinn Ewers going down – if that did not happen, Texas would have won this game. They were the better team in my book in that game. Uh, defensively, I was very impressed with what I saw from, from Texas in this game. I mean, you can make the argument, yes, that this was Texas's Super Bowl because this was the one that they had you know, highlighted on the schedule for years now. Ever since before COVID, they've been talking about this game and proving that you know they were at this level. And you know, a lot of people are saying, well, could, could Texas compete in the SEC? With games like this, they absolutely can pre- perform in the SEC. And and so, yes, I think that Quinn Ewers going down, you know, there's there's a lot of things that prevented Texas from winning this game. Not just the safety, not just Quinn Ewers going down. You, you get a touchdown on one of those three red zone field goal drives or make that other field goal that you miss, and Texas wins. But obviously it's tough I to th- say. I think what hurt them. The way they simplified their their scheme offensively when Ewers went down, obviously Hudson Card, it, it's it was clear that he is not capable of carrying the offense at the same level that Quinn yeah. Ewers can. That is very obvious, and it was even obvious, I guess, last year. Obviously, there's a reason he was not the quarterback after Week One last year. Week but Two, there, actually. I mean, it's pretty. Yeah, sorry, Week Week Two. But even then, it, it's pretty clear to me that Quinn Ewers is what's going to make this team a Big Twelve championship contender this season. And if he's not able to go next week or even in the in the near future, that they, they're going to have problems. They're going to struggle to move the ball. It was very obvious in this game. And while it may not hurt them, you know, against lesser opponents, when they do play TCU, when they do play Oklahoma and other teams like that, they are going to struggle. So I hope viewers comes back because I want to see this Texas team at full strength because I think they could they could make some waves. But let's just okay. First off, though, the one thing about the backup position is you got a talented freshman in Malik Murphy. He's a guy who was elite eleven. All this, I really like Malik Murphy as far as the skill set goes. When is he going to be ready to go? That's the question for me because at some point this season, if Hudson Card does struggle and Quinn Ewers doesn't come up, it's like a spring, you know, clavicle or something yeah, like that. So yeah, he so should far, be back uh, in a couple of weeks. He's not going to play next week against UTSA. I highly doubt that. UTSA is a really, really good team going on the road and beating Army in a great game that we're not going to talk about and almost beating Houston at home. That's a good team, but bigger picture here. We'll see what Texas's defense is in the next coming weeks. My thing is, what I thought about was Auburn last year, LSU last year, Arkansas last year, the loss to A&M. These aren't exactly great teams. Eight and four, eight and four, six and six, six and six or seven and five, whatever LSU was. You're talking about three teams that were the bottom three teams in the West Division is who they struggled against last year. The bottom three teams were A&M, Auburn, and LSU. And it was the same problems, specifically with LSU and Auburn, same problems that had this game close. And Texas had no business losing this game. Uh, I'm not going to pin it all on the refs because, like, missed field goal, missed opportunity there, going out of bounds with about two minutes left or whatever. There's definitely stuff Texas could have done to improve. Yes. 
but not much. From the highlights. Yeah, from the highlights though that I saw. Unfortunately, I was at work when this game was on. It Texas was right there in it. They did a hell of a job of making sure that they were that they were in throughout. Honestly, the thing that impressed me most as well was the defense for Texas. They were able to keep um, Alabama almost – they were able to slow down this very potent Alabama offense. Like, it was very impressive to see the work that the defense did there. I'm going to throw this out here. What makes it potent? They look horrible as far as wide receivers say. go. Yeah. They're running backs. They have no true running back. Chase McClellan looked good, especially that long run. But then he went down with an injury. So, and, and Jameer Gibbs, I've been saying this, he cannot be your RB1. He's a explosive player, but he's not an every down back. Outside of explosive plays, he's like getting you two yards of carry. It, he's not very good with that. But he's good out of the receiving game, and he can hit pop off a huge run here and there. So what this Alabama offense becomes – is what I'm going to be watching. This has more to do with Alabama in my mind than Texas because we know yeah. that defense for Alabama is going to be there. They were still pretty good. They were kind of weak at corner. That's fine. They've been weak at corner. This defense is still going to be good throughout. Is this offense going to get up to speed or not? That's the question I have, and I'm done talking about this game because of that. I, I last, say that my, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say my eyes are fully sealed and fully open October 1st. On the road to Fayetteville, yeah, that game's yeah. going to mean a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last That's thing, a I'm huge say, game in the SEC West. Race. Last game, last thing I'm going to say about this game, you know, all of us expected Texas to lose this game, and they did, but they were a whole hell of a lot closer than most of us said they were going to be. And so, you know, even in our preseason predictions, we had them losing this game. That hasn't changed but they can still go out and be as good as we think they are. And they proved that they can be as good as we thought they would be coming into the season with yesterday's performance. I'm not going too crazy on Texas hype right now, just because I want to see if this is more to do with Alabama or if Texas really was just that good. Moving on this game. I was at this game, uh, Ohio state versus Arkansas state. It was weird because, like, Ohio State got up by a couple scores early. They scored touchdowns on their first two possessions. They had to sell for a field goal. They were up 17-3, to and then they just kind of coasted. Uh, Stroud looked good. He actually scrambled one time. He scrambled for a few yards, got hit late. I was Is that a career that. high? Yeah, I think so. Uh, no, because he had, like, a 60-yard touchdown run against Michigan State. So we know he can do it. He's got, like, four or five speed. You see it in the pocket when he extends plays. But um, the the two sophomore receivers that you see on the stat line, they looked really good. And this dude, Champ Flemings, uh, he was everywhere for Arkansas State. He was better than any skill position player that Notre Dame had last week. And it wasn't even really close. Like, he's just so much more explosive and so much better. He didn't necessarily get loose. He got a good handful of touches. This was a fun game to be at. It was good because it was my girlfriend's first game to be at. A lot of fun. I really like went to this game in mind that the noon slate would not be good, and guess who was wrong about it? I was. But yes, you yeah, were. Ohio State looked good. Michael Hall is the most dominant front seven player in the Big Ten. I- I'm putting that out there. Michael Hall is a breakout star waiting to happen. He's he's playing like Aaron Donald. I disagree, but that's fine. <laughs> 
You haven't that watched him, have you? Ballsy statement. I have. I'm not saying he is Aaron Donald. I'm saying he's that style of player. I don't. I still don't think he's the most dominant in the Big Ten, and we're gonna have to wait. One seven. One hundred percent. I'm calling it now. We'll see if that that transpires. It's crazy to say that after two games, but front seven in the Big Ten, I can't think of anybody who's going to be better. I mean, I no offense by this. I, I mean, no offense by this. They played a Notre Dame offense that's looked completely inept through two weeks in Arkansas State. Doesn't matter. A coach. Do you know how to evaluate football which, though? And yes. And did I ever say he was a bad player? Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying, wait and I'm see just about saying, it. Like, the that's level me. Of competition there. Time out. That's me projecting. That's not me saying that at this moment it is proven. I'm saying I'm projecting that to be the truth because Michael Hall looks like an absolute freak, fighting through double teams, getting in the backfield, making tackles for loss. He actually went down in this game. I'm hoping he's all right, but man, he just looks like a monster out there. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And when I say that is projection, not proven ability. All right. Well, I'm moving on. Yeah, I'm go ahead. And, all right. That point. Southern Miss and Miami. You'll see, Tyler. You'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Southern Miss, Miami. Uh, Miami kind of coasted, especially in this first half. Uh, but a lot of people were like saying, Miami better watch out for Southern Miss. This game was never in danger for Miami. Uh and a lot of people only said this because of Frank Gore Jr. They zeroed in on where Frank Gore Jr. was on the field, and Southern Miss couldn't do anything offensively. That's all I really yeah. need to say. I will say, Wilkie looked good, though. A true freshman quarterback coming out oh, here. Yeah. And he played really, really well. Took care of the football well. Obviously, you see the one interception, but that's not that's not bad. That's a, a decent hurricane defense. And Tyler Van Dyke, man, that was not the performance I was expecting from him. Uh, this is Southern Miss. This is not even some of the better defenses you're going to play. So I, I am oh, yeah. concerned to see what's going to happen. I don't know if it was just a let off the gas moment or if it was an overlook because they got A&M next week. But uh, I don't know what you can overlook for after what A&M did. They didn't know that at the time. <laughs> well, though. I mean, yeah, you're I was talking say, about number six in the country there. I agree, Miami, play, Miami, Miami played before that App State A&M game as well. I know. So I, I know. I know. It was more of a joke. But either way, I, I don't – I. it just it didn't look good. But, yeah, Southern Miss is going to be fun to watch with Wilkie. I mean, he's going to be clearly the starter because they had nothing going against Liberty last week. It was all run game oriented. They dominated on the ground. If Wilkie started against Liberty, they probably would have beat Liberty last week. That's all I'm going to say. I agree. All right. Oops. Ah! (laughs) This is the game that Tyler has been all up on, and Arkansas covered. Arkansas definitely was a better team and dominated. Arkansas is not getting justice with number 16, though. A lot of people, when I said Arkansas defeated two teams on Facebook, I said, Arkansas, I have them high right now, and we'll talk about that when we're talking about the rankings. I said Arkansas beat two really legitimate opponents and hung 44 on a really good South Carolina defense, and people were, like, clowning me about that. Now, South Carolina, if if anything is good about South Carolina, it's that defense. What does concern me about Arkansas and what's their Achilles heel, their pass defense is not very good. This is two games in a row where they allowed over 300 yards passing. Ben Bryant and Spencer Rattler, who's kind of like, Rattler's got the talent, but Ben Bryant shouldn't really be able to do that. And Man, but they absolutely stifled Carolina on the ground. Tyler, I want to get your thoughts. 
Yeah, it was it was interesting, and I, I it, it was just it was obvious the strengths were totally different for each team. Now, I will say the run game was way better for South Carolina this week than it was last week. Also, <laughs> the offensive line was way better this week than it was last week. I don't know what happened in the during the week, but there was a drastic improvement in play. I expected that if South Carolina did not fix that, that this game was probably forty four to thirteen uh, by the time it was said and done. It didn't go that way. Spencer Rattler played a hell of a game. You can see there, 24-39. The completion percentage wasn't great. It was solid, but not great. Uh, 376 yards, a touchdown, and interception. The yardage was good. There were a lot of deep balls downfield that were overthrown. If those hit, we're talking this game probably went to overtime. Because there were – but I'm not playing the game of what-ifs. I'm just simply saying, saying the facts. There were a couple overthrows. There were missed opportunities for easy t- points, by the way. I mean, they were not just – plays that were, were going to result in big yards and, and potential touchdowns. They were going to the end zone or in the end zone. So if Rattler can clean that up, this South Carolina team is going to be dangerous for anybody. And mm-hmm. I don't think Georgia next week is going to be that game. I, I'm, I'm, I'm lowering my tone on, on an upset there. It's not impossible, but I don't think they're going to do it with what, how Georgia's looked in the first two weeks. And Arkansas, they impose their will up front. This was a phenomenal game uh, from – Rocket Sanders, KJ Jefferson, everybody on the ground was phenomenal. The pass game worked when they needed it to, but they really didn't have to throw the ball, and they just ran the ball. It was more so imposing their will. I know that um, there was a handful of players that went down for South Carolina on the front seven as well, so that that kind of played into it. But even before they went down, it was still a, a dominating performance on the front line. Arkansas is really good, and like I said, October 1st, that that is going to be the number one game on my radar, Arkansas and Alabama. Yeah, uh, BJ, I want to get your thoughts real quick just because you were really high on Arkansas in the preseason. What are you thinking of them right now? Are they kind of backing it up? Yeah, I, I think they've backed it up because I think that they have played two solid games. Uh, you know, the Cincinnati team, I think we – thought that they were going to be lower than they were and they came out and they they were not as far away from Arkansas as, as I thought they were going to be you know uh, before the season started so I think that says more about Cincinnati because I, Arkansas in my book has backed up you know they're where I had them uh, preseason and and I don't think that that anything's really changed because I, I kind of said you know South Carolina is going to start start off a little bit slow but once they get it figured out, you know, by mid-October at the latest, they're going to be a dangerous team. So I said that Arkansas was was lucky enough that they – Arkansas and Georgia, really, lucky enough when they get South Carolina on the schedule. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think Arkansas – what I saw yesterday, Arkansas is still the team that I thought they were going to be in, in the preseason. And obviously, you know, hopefully no injuries or anything like that. That, that's that's the biggest thing for them in terms of where they can reach the heights they can reach this season. Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was about to transition, yeah. But, yeah, it would be fun to see Arkansas develop throughout the season. I'm, I'm curious what Cam thinks about this game because he hasn't really talked a whole lot. But, Cam, what do you think of just what played out here? Yeah, um, from what I was able to see, because, like, once again, this noon slate sucks for me um, as I'm at work. But overall, what I saw from it, Arkansas looked good. Like, they really did. Um, 
I I am definitely impressed with what I've seen from the from the Hogs so far. Um, they're definitely a very physical team. The they look really good in the front seven defensively, and like you guys were both mentioning, that pass defense needs to tighten up on the back end. Um, but otherwise, it's Arkansas is really good. Like they're that October first game is definitely shaping up to be a really good one as it stands yeah. right now. Well, we'll definitely see. This was fun to watch here when I went back and rewatched it. It was just great to see Sam Hartman back and playing really good. That connection between Hartman and Perry, whoo, it was amazing. And then uh, Kobe Davis having that big game-changing interception early on when Vanderbilt had all the momentum, three to nothing, and they have the ball. Kobe Davis gets that big interception. That kind of kickstarts Wake Forest. Tyler, did Sam Hartman make a difference for Wake Forest? Yeah, welcome back, Sam Hartman, and welcome to my Heisman list again, uh, as you were last year. Just because you can come out from it, you, you can come back week one and, and play good and, and and not be on a Heisman list. But coming back from the injury that he had or the, the, the blood clotting issues that he had, not having practice, he hasn't practiced for over a month. And he came into this, this week and this game and played phenomenal. I know it's Vanderbilt, but 300, touchdown, 300 yards, four touchdowns, uh, through the air on 18 to 27. Those are good numbers. And uh, I'm just glad to see Sam Hartman back. He definitely makes this Wake Forest team a contender in the ACC. BJ, is Vanderbilt still a solid team, or do you think they're just still going to be like bottom dwellers, 0 and 8 in the SEC? They'll be competitive, but they're not going to win a whole lot of games. I've, I've kind of changed my team. I had them 3 and 9 in the. Uh, you know, in my preseason predictions, they played better than a three and nine team has. They're not quite Nebraska three and nine levels. They're but they're better than that in my, in my book. So they might get somebody. I, I'm not sure if it's going to be a Missouri or an Auburn, but I, I think they'll get a win or two in SEC play. But I, I just I, I think it's going to be tough to see them getting six wins from what we've seen around the rest of the East. They really could have used you know a big time home performance in this game against Wake to kind of help them along if they wanted to get to back to bowl eligibility. But it's it's building up back right in Nashville. Are you on a stroke down there? or do the Bears Two score? things happened. The Bears just got a turnover. They stripped Debo Samuel, Samuel and Minka Fitzpatrick pick six against uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, uh, I well, I will say I'm very glad that I took Debo Samuel out of my fantasy team. But DeAndre Swift, <laughs> on the other hand, has, has made me very happy in the beginning of this game. So. You just scored. I'm not paying attention to fantasy right now, other than I'm excited to see the Bears go because I'm starting Fields and Montgomery. Montgomery is not a bad pick. I start Fields because Dak is weird. Well, they're playing Tampa. So, do you have anything to comment on this, real quick, Cam, before we move on? Nothing bad. I know I'm kind of skipping past you a little bit because I know you didn't watch these earlier games as much. So I know you have like less comments, and when we get later on the slate, especially the late late games, you're gonna have a lot more to say for sure. This game, I mean, it looked like NC State kind of struggled out the gate. It was three nothing a lot in the first quarter, but you kind of nitpicking when it comes to that. We talked about it a little bit beforehand. I'm still waiting and seeing on NC State. I'm kind of like, 
having my reservations about it, but that's definitely a step in the right direction. That was definitely a get right game for this team. Yeah, this was this was more like what I expected them to be. Obviously, last week I, I said it last week pre, pre prior to the game. Don't look too hard into a struggle win over ECU. They come out 55-3 win, dominating over Charles and Southern, which they should be. And they move on to next week. Uh, they play Texas Tech next week. We got a huge win. We'll talk about it later. But man, I uh, I'm not not as concerned. I think as a lot of people are on this on this team yet. I'm not either. Um, I thought that we we all three of uh, Tyler, Cam, and I was, had NC State, you know, at least struggling. Didn't think that they would, you know, be that close with ECU, but we knew it was going to be a struggle and a one possession game. And so the fact that we we had that and NC State was able to survive and and be resilient in getting that victory, um, you're not really going to see a whole lot from Charleston Southern uh, other than NC State playing a little PO'd because they started off and and with with a higher ranking and they got dropped because people don't see ECU like Tyler, Cam, and I do. And so as a result, NC State kind of came out and, and really had a statement to prove even though they, you know, they could have, it could have been so much worse. We'll, we'll talk about another team here in just a moment that you could see why it could have been so much worse, but NC state, you know, they flex their muscle and it'll be interesting to see what they look like next week. I'm not necessarily saying, you know, that I think that Texas tech will go in there and pull off an upset or anything like that. But I know Colin's been higher on tech than I have been. I, I think it's still a bad we'll match for Texas tech, but NC state looks still looks good. We'll preview that game and we'll preview Tech. Yeah, I got anything more to say, Cam? Nothing to add. Uh, this one you can add a little bit, Cam. I'm going to start with you, Cam. This was an absolute blowout. Was this more just about Southern Utah being bad? Because I feel like Utah just came in pissed off. I, I was going to say we saw a lot more. We saw a lot more focus from this Utah team than what they've shown a lot of teams like this in in years past. Because a lot of the times in years past, Utah's one of those teams where they don't necessarily struggle with FCS teams. They control the entire game. But you, if you look at the score, it's rarely like this, where it's like they just kick the shit out of the T-Birds. Um, but... That being said, this they really needed a bounce back, and I feel like this definitely is a bounce back um, for them. I think that they'll be much improved, and they'll after that Florida loss, they're they're going to make sure they're taking the the um, season one week at a time. It's a one week season, and. Kyle Whittingham is going to have their team ready every week, just like always. And I don't know that this is going to happen again, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but they're, they're definitely going to come out focused and not play like my Aggies against FCS schools. So oh, real quick, real quick, uh, coming through the athletic right now, Quinn years will be out at least two to three weeks. Uh, okay. That sounds about Makes right sense. for, Something like that, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I knew it wasn't going to be like season ending when they said spring no. clavicle, but I knew it was going to at least be next week. Um, I'm going to move on from that game because this is a monumental game. 
that we are going to talk about like crazy. I just want to say this first off. Notre Dame fans, you can say Tyler Buckner played poorly. You can say whatever you want. This is on two things. Skill position is horrible at Notre Dame. They have no run game from the running backs. Their run game is Tyler Buckner. And clearly Marcus Freeman was not ready. Can we admit Marcus Freeman wasn't ready? Because, yes, they had an amazing game plan for Ohio State's offense. Not really a great game plan offensively, but an amazing game plan against Ryan Day and Ohio State's offense. And he still got beaten. That's fine. You got beaten by a better team. You got to get your team back up. And you didn't. I think we all know Notre Dame's 100% more talented than Marshall is. They just can't seem to put the pieces together. Um, they they let LeBorn absolutely run all over them. That's the most yards Notre Dame has given up rushing since 2016. What was their record in 2016? Anybody remember? Four and eight. Four and eight. Four and eight. Four and eight. So if anybody wants to go ahead and say bench Tyler Buckner, he's not very good. I see it with Tyler Buckner. Yeah, he might have got a little bit shaken and he was a little bit fragile down the stretch. You're the starting quarterback at Notre Dame and you're about to lose to Marshall. Like, no shit that kid is a little bit frazzled and not like like just emotionally distraught. He's doing Anyone everything do for that. that offense. There is so much pressure on this kid, and I am defending Tyler Buckner. Nobody else deserves to get defended, and Marcus Freeman needs to get absolutely criticized for this loss. Yeah, yeah it's congrats not only that, to Marshall. I'm not trying to take anything away from Marshall. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah, not only that. I mean, Marshall without Rasheen Ali, we were like, okay, maybe like they they may still be able to keep it close, but they're definitely not winning this game. But Kalen LeBorn came in and played phenomenally. You see it there, second win versus a top 10 opponent since 2003 for Marshall, which is phenomenal for that program, one of the bigger ones in their program history. But I look at Tyler Buckner, much like Quinn Ewers, he went out with a shoulder injury, a very similar landing in a shoulder injury too, which brought in Drew Pine, which then resulted in the, the game-ending interception. Hoping that Buckner does not have to sit out for multiple weeks, because if it does, that's catastrophic for Notre Dame. They could be sitting 0-4 before they get to, uh, I think, their bye week before they play uh, UNLV. No, yeah. they, they play Cal and then North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, well, I know that. Weeks. So they yeah. could be 0-5. I mean, Cal, we'll see what Cal is. I know Cam's pretty high on Cal. Uh, but even if they're 1-3, one and, one and oh, my God. Oh, wait, 0-4. Oh Never mind. I'm stupid. You're right. You're right, Tyler. I'm an idiot. I felt like I was. But it's okay. <laughs> You're always there. Let, let me let me read you what I, I, I had a TikTok in, in the aftermath of this game. Uh, some of the people that have commented, I, I find this amusing. Um, I said that Notre Dame upset by Marshall uh, in in South Bend, and somebody commented, "Not an upset. Notre Dame and Marshall are the same tier, and that's a different <laughs> tier than the SEC." And and somebody else responded, "Yeah, Notre Dame is quintessentially overrated." I think that yeah, maybe maybe this year a bit overrated, but I mean you're you're absolutely right. And and I've got to you know I'm not not gonna take away from what Marshall was able to do because that is a big win for that program, not one that everybody you know said that they were going to be able to get. And you know we talked about it yesterday. Where does this win rank all time? Like, is this the biggest win over for Marshall in their program history? You know, this was in my first thought was the game against uh, uh, Xavier after the the plane crash. But 
in terms of opponent, this is right up there. Yeah, one A, one B. That's that's where I don't even think it's one A, one B. Just because of name recognition, you go back to two thousand three, and you tell people now that nineteen years ago, Marshall beat Kansas State, a top ten Kansas State team, and you're kind of mm. like, yeah, probably not legit top ten. I mean, they had Darren Sproles, and they were really good that in the early 2000s mm-hmm. that that's fine but nobody's going to think that when it comes to name recognition everybody's going to say remember that time notre dame lost to marshall at home yeah people are going to say that 10 years from now it's going to be a joke for a while so yeah. it doesn't matter if marshall goes 11 and 1 this year and wins wins the sun belt doesn't matter everybody's still going to talk about that yeah Cam, give me your thoughts. Yeah, it's a huge win for this Marshall program. It really is. Um, like, Buckner was – he's played really well, all things considered, through the first two games. Hopefully he's able to get back for the Irish sooner. We saw a huge dip in that offense once he went down. Um, but, yeah. I, I'm definitely not impressed by what I'm seeing, especially out of this Notre Dame offense, like completely inept in every single sense of the word. Um, it's, it's pitiful what they're throwing out on the field besides Buckner, like really well played, but yeah, really nothing else to say. Okay, I'm going to move on here to Clemson. <laughs> Speaking of... Can I, can I, can I, may I? <laughs> may I? I'll let you take it first, and I got a rant, but it's the same old shit for me, so... This team... Gosh. Got outgained by Furman. They got outgained by Furman. Uh, that... That alone should be embarrassing to anybody. They, Furman's quarterback had more passing yards than Clemson did, clearly, as you can see on the screen between Uyangole and, and Klubnik. Um, Will Shipley, 10 carries, 68 yards. That doesn't look very good either. This was a brutal performance, and this right here is exactly where my confidence for NC State in a couple weeks is into play now because I think – this is just – that is an unacceptable performance for any team uh, ranked in the top five, especially to play a team like Furman. Who the fuck even knows about Furman other than people that live in South Carolina? The Paladin. I mean, never, even then, I don't know that all of them do. I, I, could, I could walk around the state of South Carolina. I could probably go through Columbia and be like, hey, do you know what, the, what Furman's mascot is? Probably don't know. The Paladins. It is – it's just stupid. I, I've never nerds, so. I have never – ever thought I would see Clemson, especially under Dabo Sweeney and, and with the uh, the level of talent that is on this team, win a game, but look so bad doing it. Yeah. I mean, this oh is gosh. what we were talking about before the season started. You know, now I've got a little bit more confidence in NC State going in to Clemson and winning that game. But I, I very easily can see – uh, Clemson slipping up against a team like Wake Forest this year. I, 
I just am not inspired by what I've seen from this Clemson offense, and it's going to cost them some games. They're they're not going to win the ACC again this year unless they figure out something. But I don't know what they can do at this point to to fix it. I don't know if they there's anything they can do to change it. Cam, this was one of the games when my Wi-Fi was out for two and a half hours, so I wasn't able to watch all of it. Um, thank you, Optics. You're fantastic. Um, you wanted to watch this game because I can tell you I didn't watch it. <laughs> no. I didn't no, want to. No, I didn't want to watch it. But it I was, was like, like I like I turned it I, off I for know a that, and I was like, oh, this is what I figured. To do. me, it was like something that yeah. was so ugly I couldn't turn it off when I started watching a little bit of rerun. I'm like, oh, these are the highlights. I, I, like extended. I would have been like that though. I would have at least turned it on for a minute. So like I didn't watch any of this game. Um, <sighs> But, but yeah, like I'm just here looking at the statistics, and I've never seen Davos Sweeney's teams do this. So this is interesting. So this is like, interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know how I just said two to three weeks for Quinn Ewers? Yeah. ESPN mm-hmm. is reporting four to six weeks. I doubt it's going to be four to six. I, I saw, don't think so either. I, saw, but I don't I know saw, what they're doing. I saw initially like someone said six to eight weeks, but it also sure. depends on the there, like everybody's just throwing out random numbers at this point. Like I'm hoping there's more clarity probably by the middle of the week. Obviously, they hear spring clavicle and they're like guessing. That's probably what yeah. they're doing on the severity. Yeah. Um, but anyway, can't we just admit that DJ Uyongalele is not the problem? I'm going to 100% die on this hill. It's Brandon Streeter and it's Dabo Sweeney's stupid ideas to promote from within. You don't hire GAs as your position coach unless they're very elite. And you don't go from GA to coordinator within the span of like five years. You work your way up in this sport. You go from, you know, GA at, I don't know, GA at Alabama or GA at USC. And then you go ahead, let's just say USC. You go from GA at USC and then you end up doing a good job there. You get recommendations as an intern slash GA. And then you kind of go ahead and get a job from Utah State. I'm giving you a shout out, Cam. Utah State comes talking to you and they're like, hey, hey, I want you to be our linebackers coach. Okay. Linebackers coach. Utah State's linebackers produce Bobby Wagner, you know, whatever. The, another Bobby Wagner. You do an amazing job, and 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 what happens is, hey, TCU calls. TCU calls. We want you to be our linebackers coach. He does an amazing job there. Their defense coordinator leaves, and you promote your linebackers coach from within at TCU. All right, he gets the job at TCU. He does an amazing job, the top 10 defense in the nation at TCU, and then Clemson gives you a call, right? Clearly not Davos Sweeney, but Clemson gives you a call and be like, I want you to be the defensive coordinator to replace Brent Venables. That's how it should go, right? Clemson should have been on the phone trying to get Manny Diaz, Jim Knowles, and all these other big-time coordinators that are big-time candidates for defensive coordinator jobs that were out there, and guess what? They promote from within. And they did the same thing on offense. They did the same thing for both. And the defense does not look nearly as dominant as they did last year. The offense looks worse than they did last year so far against two horrible teams. 
Furman and Georgia Tech would play each other within a touchdown. And you bet your ass, dude, in that scenario, you'd at least consider Clemson if you're a Jim Knowles or something like that or someone like that because that that's one of the elite defensive schools for the past just, few years. Yeah. I don't get what goes through Dabo Sweeney's head when he when he just doesn't go outside of Clemson. He, he, he tries to tell these high school recruits, and they don't want to do this now with NIL. High school recruits, when you're committed, you're done talking to anybody. You're closing your recruitment. Nobody else does that. Nobody else just refuses Oklahoma to use the transfer portal. Oklahoma does that. Oklahoma does it, and it because Brent Venables is, is trying to be Dabo 2.0, and I'll get on that shit in a minute because yeah, fuck him, dude. I, I'm awesome. done with Clemson. This is 100% just Dabo. He, he was a great coach. He built something good, but you got to adjust. Nick Saban did it. Urban Meyer did it. All the best coaches in America have done it. Even Lincoln Riley is trying to fix up his defense a little bit, right? They're trying to change mm-hmm. shit so they can win and be the best. Dabo doesn't care about being the best if it's not being the best his own way. Yeah, it matters so, to be his way, and that's the only way it can be done. And that's just you can't you can't do that in this sport. You can't have longevity in this sport. And it's amazing that they're they're you know two and zero right now, obviously because they played literal nobodies. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens. They got one more game against Louisiana Tech, and then they really get yeah. into two games that could easily. Go as far south. They go as far south as you want them to go. Yeah. So, moving on to an upset, North Carolina's own Appalachian State goes on the road to College Station. Did you have to throw that shit in there? (laughs) Come on, man. Look, I did the same. I gotta get away from it. I know what you did. I'm not mad. I'm just saying, fuck, man. <laughs> the same thing for Marshall, but Haynes King so limited in what he can do, and he took care of the ball. That's fine. So limited. Devon A. Chain is still a monster. Evan Stewart's going to be a great player. You see a lot of the moments there. This was just straight up coaching, uh, specifically App State's side. Cameron Peoples deserves all the credit in the world, but yeah. – Coaching is what won App State this game. Tyler, what was the padlock stat that Josh Pate posted? 82 plays run for Appalachian State to 38 plays run for Texas A&M. You want to talk about other stats that impact this game? Let's look at time of possession, for example, because that's one of my favorite stats. I have the time stats of possession. Up. 41 minutes and 29 seconds, Appalachian State. Texas A&M, 18 minutes and 17 seconds. Okay, that doesn't commit to you? Let's look at total yards. 315 to 186 in favor of App State. Not enough. Turnovers. 2 to 0. App State forced more turnovers. First downs. App State 22, Texas AM 9. Need I continue? It's clear. AM could not move the ball. They got dominated up front on both sides of the ball, which is shocking because AM's defensive line is supposed to be one of the better in the country, and they're not. And is that a loss of Mike Elko coming back to bite them? Because DJ Durkin does not seem to be doing the job right now. That's for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, they only allowed 17 points. But this is an App State team that put up 61 last week on a bad North Carolina off or bad North Carolina defense. And there's also a, an App State defense that allowed 63 points to a North Carolina offense, who I guess you could now say is better than A&M's. If I am Jimbo Fisher right now, or anybody in that organization, I am now thinking, 
Haynes King is not the answer. Move on. Yeah. Max Johnson, you have yeah. two very capable quarterbacks waiting in the wings. Max Johnson, if that doesn't work out, you got Connor Wegman. It may be early, but I mean, at this point, what, what do you what have to lose? I mean, I, I just don't get how Haynes King is the starter. I said it last year, and I said it coming into this year. Oh, it's definitely going to be Max Johnson guys, because Haynes King is just horrible. Guys, 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 sorry. I don't I don't want to take away from this, but as I expected, breaking news three minutes ago, Scott Frost has been fired as the Nebraska head coach. You can't I, I mean, lose we, to Georgia no, Southern we, we after a 3-9 and nine season. You just can't, Scotty. <laughs> Mr. We, Scotty. We, we, we expected that after <laughs> last night. I, Tyler was on the, the ship of, you know, the buyout goes down at, on October 1st, and that so he'll coach, you know, a few more weeks, and then they won't have to pay as much. I thought he would be fired last night, and it came out today. I'm I, So I'm honestly not surprised. Like, Didn't Georgia he, Southern go like 2-10 and 10 last year, and they're having a first-year head coach named Clay yep. Helton? Clay Helton is Georgia Southern's head coach. You, you can't lose to Georgia Southern. Um, that was so pathetic. So pathetic. Uh, I yeah. know I know people pick them out of the West. I'm not going to target anybody for that. But, man, like I even picked them to go 7-5, you know, and, and they're not doing that. You know, I did say buyout, and I, w- I was thinking they were going to play the buyout. I just had that expectation. But what's $7.5 million mean to you when you're going to go in and lose four more games? Now, I don't know who they're going to pick up for their in- interim, but, I mean, we'll figure that out on, by Wednesday, I'm sure, and have that. Yeah, it hadn't announced in. an interim schedule or interim coach or anything like that. Um, so, we'll, we'll see on that. Um, we're well, getting back to where we were. Mark Whipple. Maybe, That's what I was saying. Maybe, yeah. Probably it's, not. He's only been there, like, for two games, three games. So, probably not. But, but anyway, back to a Uh Yeah, so – I, I think when you when you're at state and you know and, and talking about this game, if you're AM and you cannot get stops defensively and App State keeps moving the ball down the field and winning the time position, when you do get plays opportunities on offense, you've got to capitalize because you're not gonna have too many drives. And they didn't. And you know, that last drive that they got, the missed field goal that what the hell was that? He just he wasn't even you know, yeah, it was it, so it, gross. It, yeah, he it didn't get blocked or anything like that. Just cleat dug into the ground when he hit when he kicked it. I mean, that's yeah, literally it, what it happened. Looked, and it just the, the bad wow, kick yeah. looked like it had been blocked, but it was just all on the the kicker there. Yeah. And, and you know it, that that's not to say that that's the reason why AM lost this game because, I mean, you you cannot win a game getting out physical in the, the line of scrimmage and everything like that, running less <laughs> plays. It's it's you cannot expect to win a game. I do have a problem. I kind of have a problem with what you guys are somewhat – of what you guys are saying because, like, they held App State to three and a half yards per carry. It's not like App State was moving the ball at will. What happened was no. App State had more and more possessions because this was this was the first half. I'm just going to give you the first half. You know, you know what three and a half yards per carry times three gets? First downs. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't, it doesn't matter because you're not saying that they're getting – three and a half yards every single carry that's an average so some of them are going to be five or six but there were a good handful of times where cameron peoples had nowhere to go i they yeah. had more possessions because of this this is the first half i'm just giving you the first half not even going into the second half which was more of the same texas a&m's drives four plays three plays and a fumble seven plays was a touchdown then they had a three and out another three and out end of half there 
That was their entire – they had one possession more than four plays, and it was a touchdown drive. Yeah. You just can't do that. If you're a competent you offense, you can at least get a first down. And that's what App State was, was a competent offense. Chase Bryce was at least a competent quarterback, and he, he's crap. He, he's not talented. He's He was overrated out of high school. He was kind of overrated because he came in a little bit for, for Trevor Lawrence when Kelly Bryant left, and Trevor Lawrence went down against Syracuse, and they came back and won with Chase Bryce under the helm. Ever since then, he's been overrated. But he's at least an experienced quarterback with a steady hand. You didn't get that with Haynes King, and that's why App State moved the chains more than Texas A&M did is it, simply because App State was able to be competent and Texas A&M was just incompetent. I'm not blaming this on A&M's defense. I still think they have a great defense. Okay. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw this, but – they had mechanical issues with their team charter flight last night, so they had to go back to the hotel they were staying I, I just saw that earlier and, this uh, morning. Yeah. The hotel didn't have rooms for them, so they had to basically spread out in hallways, conference rooms, and the lobby until I'm they just... could get uh, their flight, which uh, apparently they boarded the flight at 4.30 a.m. this morning. Uh, Sean Clark in his post-game interview said, the flight home to Boone tonight is going to be so amazing or whatever he said. Not worth it. <laughs> Turns out it was a flight home flight tomorrow morning. morning yeah. in, early in the morning. This was a classic oh, over, well, overtime. That real quick. That win, well, just real quick, that win gets Boone its first ever college game day. Appearance. Game day. Yep. Game day. Yeah, and I don't really love that. It should be next either. week. It should not be this week. It should be next week against James Madison. They're gonna, they're yeah. gonna beat, uh, they're gonna beat Troy and James Madison with their first year. I'm looking at the slate next week. Other options, Man, I guess, would be. I mean, yeah, but that lost the I mean, a little it, bit, especially because of this. NC State Tech, Washington would have been a better one in my opinion. I think if they would have went to Washington for Michigan State, Washington, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Not nobody's gonna go to Oklahoma, Nebraska. Um, I, I, I see why I mean, I I, I, this I slate's not very good. There, but, but yeah, they they I, I know why they did that, but yeah, whatever. There are other games in week four besides uh, App State and James Madison that yeah. they'll want to go to. I don't want to hear the stuff that Pitt would have won with Slovis no. in the game. No. I felt like they that Tennessee was the better team. And honestly, I feel like it was just – they got outcoached, Tennessee did, and won in spite of that. Mm-hmm. I can't stand Josh Heupel for the life of me because he has no chill mode. There were many different times in regulation where Tennessee had the opportunity to put this game away, and Heupel's like, go, 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 go. And Pitt's defense is much improved from last year. But – Hennon Hooker made plays. Cedric Tillman was awesome, and he saw that with the go-ahead touchdown. And, and uh, I, I think both of these defenses are improved, both of them. Yeah. But what's it going to matter for Tennessee if Josh Heupel refuses to close out games? If you can't close out games by being able to run out the clock and just – we had the same thing with Jeff Brom last week. Josh Heupel and Je- Jeff Brom, the same in that instance in my mind. But Tennessee's still a very good team, and their ceiling is maybe going to be handicapped or held back by what Josh Heupel brings to the table. I can't stand Josh Heupel. Well, you wouldn't be He's saying that other than you wouldn't be saying that about Tennessee unless you had them for your lock of the week and you had to sweat it out. No, I I joke. I joke. Tennessee was the better team. Um, it 
yeah, it's not that Pitt got hurt and Keenan Slovis had to leave the game. That's why Pitt left or Pitt lost. Um, Tennessee should have won by more than a touchdown. They were the better team all throughout, but turnovers and uh, Pitt's defense really kept Pittsburgh in this game. And I mean, Colin's right. If they can't run out the clock, it, you you'll, you saw it uh, in last year with the Music City Bowl. Even I think that gave Purdue another yeah. chance to w- come back and win that game in overtime. That yeah. the fact that Tennessee cannot close out these games by running the ball is going to be problematic, especially if you've got a late lead against like an Alabama. We saw that just yesterday with Bama, Texas. If if you've got a late lead against Georgia or a Kentucky, for instance, I mean. That's where you're going to run into problems, if in this, especially in the way that the SEC is. Um, so it's it's a solid win for Tennessee. They got to got to get something more in the, uh, on the ground, though. It can't not just be all on Hendon Hooker. Yeah, you know they 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 talked at odds a couple of weeks ago when they played Ball State about Jabari Small and how much weight he put on and how he was still just as fast, but a little bit stronger and able to push the pile. Well, we didn't see that at all, and I was I was kind of. I wasn't really shocked by it, but I was also still a little surprised because I expected to see more from him than we got. Um, Izzy Abanacanda was a guy that I had in the running for my player of the week. It should Pitt have won that game, they he would have been. Um, Keaton Slovis was solid, or actually I shouldn't say that he was not solid. He left the game. I think Pitt. I think this game doesn't even go to overtime if Keaton Slovis is still the quarterback because he was struggling. He was throwing balls into coverage. There were plenty of dropped interceptions in this game. <laughs> And then Slovis left the game at halftime with a head injury. He went down, landed a little yeah. awkwardly on his head, neck area, and, yeah. and, and left the game. Nick Patty is we what – We saw yeah. the Slovis – this week we saw the Slovis come out where he was forcing passes. And yeah, he was trying too hard to, to, to be the hero, yeah. and, it, and it, it hurt them. Nick Patty is the reason this game got to overtime. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately I think he was – a little too banged up himself to really play at the high level we came out starting uh, as when he, when he came out in the third quarter. So I'm curious. This will be interesting to see what Pitt's able to do the rest of the year. I think we kind of have an understanding of what Tennessee is. It's very similar to last year, except maybe a little more talent on this roster and a little bit of improvement offensively. But I think we have a good grasp on what Tennessee is. Pitt is a team that has many questions uh, left to be answered, at least for me. Yeah. So here we go on to Madison, Wisconsin, another upset, another 17 point favorite goes down uh, just at, at least on, according to us. Now I know this was a little different uh, when we get the odds of the game. I think it was still 17 and a half when the game started though. Yeah. But 17 happened to be the magic number just in terms of the winner. Cam Ward played well, but threw a couple of dangerous passes that got intercepted. I mean, they were just Mm -hmm. not smart throws to be making. Correct. They couldn't run the ball very well, but it was cool. Their defense was extremely physical. They held Braylon out under 100 yards. I couldn't even imagine that number when we were talking about this game in the preview. I thought that Braylon Allen was easily going to go for 100 yards. Yeah, They just could not complete drives. They were really, really troublesome uh, throughout the day. Graham Mertz was okay, but not not great. There he was, was Bryce Young. Yeah, there were more. <laughs> I have seen better games from Graham Mertz, and, and this was kind of just his middle of the road game management, get them, keep them in position, but can't really get them to the win. It, it just, it, this was what I thought Wisconsin would be this year. Honestly, I did not expect it to be in this game. I thought they were going to have this kind of a problem against 
Ohio State or against, you know, a, a Minnesota, a Nebraska, which is not going to happen now. But I did not expect against Washington State. Washington State came out and, and was a physical team. I don't think the more physical team, but I just think they, they were physical enough and played a good enough game of football to come away with a win. Yeah, this we was, should, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. I was about to say, this was just such a weird game. Like, I mean, I, I said Washington State could be or could could be able to compete in this game and maybe pull off the upset. I even was at a tailgate where one of the people there said that they, they loved Ohio State because they were from Columbus, but they were also Wisconsin alums. So, like, that game in a couple of weeks at Ohio State, that's going to be a fun one because – She's like, why can't they both win? And I'm going to be like, well, you better watch out today. I said, you guys are going to be in trouble today. But I didn't expect it for it to be this way. So impressed with Washington State's run defense in this game. I mean, a lot of times, Wisconsin, you know they're going to run the ball. You still don't hold them under five yards of carry. Braylon Allen, or if you go back to, like, Jonathan Taylor, hell, even some of the guys who weren't as good at Wisconsin, like – um. Uh, blanking on his name, the 2016 Coleman, Corey Coleman. Yeah. Even some Corey of Clement. Guys, Corey Clement. Clement. Coleman. Yeah. Corey Coleman. Who's Corey? Anyway, no, close. Clement. Clement. Yeah, Clement back in um, 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, even him, it was like hard to keep Wisconsin under that five yards to carry threshold. And uh, they got Braylon Allen under that threshold. Yeah. yeah, here's the thing. I mean, you talk, we talked about it um, on Wednesday. This game, if Wisconsin won the turnover battle, if it was a lower-scoring game, if they got more yards, Wisconsin was going to win. All three of those things happened, yet Wazoo comes away with the victory. So I'm, I'm kind of you know, flabbergasted that we, what we saw because everything lined up where it should have been a Wisconsin victory, but Wazoo wanted it more. And I think that it was just kind of what I talked about where, you know, when they when we saw a 17 and a half point spread, I was like, why is this a, you know, a P5, P5 matchup, 17 and a half point spread? There shouldn't have been no way, you know, no reason why. Because Wazoo was a good team. And I, I like I said, I thought that it was just because they had a little bit of struggle because they didn't want to show Wisconsin anything in that Iowa. Or in if that you look Iowa. at every stat from this game, you would think it was probably a 17 point game no, though yeah i mean you look you look at again outgained by over 150 yards won the turnover battle ran the ball better controlled the line of scrimmage on offense better you would have thought they did win by 17 but again it just one of those weird games and on a wacky saturday in week two where we thought this slate was just was a little weak it uh it showed to be quite said hold my beer tj what with a pick all right Real quick, Georgia did what they needed to do. Uh, I mean, not the most impressive win, but it don't matter. They're yeah, next, they coast. They're on the next week. Yeah, they're on the Stetson next. Stetson Bennett. Uh, Stetson Bennett is he in the race for the Heisman for anybody? He's he's, he's sorry. I talked about top three the earlier in this in the show, maybe before that. I talked about top three. He is also he's up there as well. So it probably actually is more so for me right now. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Stetson Bennett. Uh, in no particular order. Okay, we'll we'll talk about that. Uh-huh. Okay. Georgia's um, defense this year is even better than it was. He's last in the year. top five for that discussion, though. 
George he had a great game against Oregon. I, I, what do you want? He has the most impressive performance so far this season. That's obviously going to change this week two. Yeah, yeah, right I know. Now, it's that just, how, it's, that's how, the how much are we going to go off of? You know, the first two weeks. Are we just going to completely throw out what what kind of happened last, last year? season? We, does not fucking matter. Stop no. talking right about now. Hold matter. on. This early in the season, I feel does like not matter. Like, no, it does not matter. Nothing. Are the stats carried it over? It doesn't as far. Okay, do the what, stats carry over? No. Well, let, let me ask this they because don't. you how you, you said. You, let me ask because you said that how much are we taking away from weeks one and two when we make the Heisman decision? Yet, how can we make a Heisman decision when we only have the first two weeks of film? We're not right really now. It's Bennett. I literally posted a Heisman candidates list so I can leave Bryce Young off of it to mess with Alabama fans. That's literally <laughs> all. That's the yeah, only no. reason I did that. <laughs> but if we're talking about right now through two weeks, Stetson Bennett has the most impressive game so far. I will say that. Yes. Against mm-hmm. Oregon, that is that's the most impressive. Yeah, win. I mean that's, yeah, you, that's and true. You could argue that Caleb Williams mm-hmm. has a second most impressive game yeah, with I, the I, game I, against Stanford yesterday. So that is all May. I'm saying. I don't Drake, Drake May against Stanford. Drake May has been fantastic through three games. However, he the, their group of five and FCS opponents compared to Sets and Bennett versus Oregon, Caleb Williams. F State would beat Oregon. That, that's possible, but we it don't see that possible. on the field. I mean, I agree. Likely, but... I, I agree, but I, I mean, we're not seeing that on I the mean... field. So you know what I mean? Like, you mm-hmm. just got to be, again, quick game. Michigan State did what they're supposed to do. The two interceptions from Thorne were questioning, but it's Akron. Uh, you know, Those two running backs. I mean, yeah. I know it's yeah. just Akron, but those two running backs, I, I kind of think they can still be very dynamic, and and that will carry Michigan State to be dangerous in the in the Big Ten. It's also awesome to see that they picked a pitch to shut out in this game too because yeah. their defense can struggle yeah. and, and had struggled last year. That's at least improvement. I had them winning 52-7. to seven. I think they won 52 to nothing. So that's pretty yeah, good. This is, this is their largest win and first shutout while scoring over 50 points. I think in school history, it, yeah. if it wasn't, the date was in the 1950s that they've even had a shutout uh, no, in, 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 school in, in a while. Yeah, I didn't so. put that in because I did forget about that, and I kind of wanted to highlight the two running backs. So, But, yeah, yeah. this game. <laughs> <laughs> so Iowa, Iowa, fans, Iowa fans, I gave you this game. I gave you this game in the six wins you had, and you couldn't even do that. And you scored, <laughs> you know, you did find out how to what the end zone is. You learned what the end zone is. Good, good job. Uh, very good. The problem is you learned it in the first quarter and never figured it out again. It's like I, I love the consistency there as well. Seven points a game. Seven points a game, yeah. yeah but, but it's not consistent. They finally found the end zone. Um, Hunter Deckers did not play good, but he did enough to win the game. Xavier he Hutchinson was all right. actually was, was probably the best player on the field in this game. Uh, man, Iowa, if Spencer Peters is the only option you have, you are in Thanks. for a yeah. terrible season. You are you in know, for a miserable year. We are going to beat Iowa twenty-eight to three, and you guys are probably going to do the same because this Iowa defense is seriously legit. I one hundred percent think that. They are good. Outside of Xavier Hutchinson being yep. a uh, matchup nightmare for pretty much any team that they're going to play, mm-hmm. Iowa's secondary is really freaking good, really disciplined, and that zone coverage that they have is really good. Their offense is the worst in the Power Five. You know, they say that in the Midwest, in the, in the Midwest, you Hawaii. usually have to worry about uh, tornadoes, but uh, I think I was okay because there's never a touchdown there. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, but, but see, know, a cyclone just ran through them. That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. 
But there's yeah. a difference between a twister and a cyclone. But so. I will say Decker's – the touchdown drive that Hunter Decker's led to get them the lead was a good drive and was a very solid, uh, well, well put together possession. And then obviously you rely on a missed field goal, college kickers, man. So yeah, yeah, got a I meme. Mean, we'll have a meme for, for Wednesday. Second It'll career start. If you told me second career start against this Iowa defense, he'd go twenty-five for thirty-eight. Yeah, he's going to throw a couple of picks, but he leads a game-winning touchdown drive against your arch rival that you haven't beaten in six years. Yeah, take actually it. eight years, twenty fourteen. Sorry, yeah, yeah. twenty. It's been six matchups before that. Yes. Twenty eight or twenty twenty didn't happen. So yes. that game. This was also an awesome game. Overtime, double overtime, I think. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Donovan Smith, super up and down. Do you guys at least see why I was super high on Donovan Smith with the type of talent that he is? He's just kind of like his results are a little bit crazy. You know, up and down. Second year in the program. That's fine. I told you guys though. Now this game was great. But 100% throughout the course of this game, Texas Tech was a better team. And if it wasn't for turnovers, Houston had no chance. I tried to tell you guys, this Texas Tech team, they might not do a whole lot. They might be right around 500. But Joey McGuire's getting it going there. He knows what he's doing. And that that was one of the better hires. Uh, I was very critical when when they fired Matt Wells so quickly. But, man, I think they hit a home run with the hire, 100%. Fluke. Yeah, you know, it, no, it was it's not. Like Donovan Smith tried to give this game away as many yeah. times as he wanted to. I mean, three interceptions, but he, he stepped up when they needed him to. Uh, it was a really, yeah. really solid finish. But you can't, you can't throw three picks against NC State next week. No, uh, there, I, I, I no think way. Two different, yeah. two different situations, two different teams, um, and on the road, you got, you can't go to Carter Finley and, and expect that. You had the home field advantage, and that probably helped a good bit. You're not going to get that next week, so it. We'll talk about not, that more. On I'm not. I'm not fully buying yet, but but that was a impressive game from Texas Tech on all sides. Here's what I'll say: I was not impressed in the second half with Donovan Smith until that game tying drive in the in the fourth quarter that they sent the game to overtime. And um, the I, overtime touchdown. Well, well, that was well. I, awesome. I I said second half. Let me get to overtime. The when they they had no momentum in overtime whatsoever after Houston got the touchdown, a couple of sacks back to back, and then I'm gonna blame Houston's defense. They had a guy come up and try to make a play on Donovan Smith with his feet. You let him run and you tackle him before he gets to the line. You let him, if you let him if you still play go his own coverage that fourth down and twenty conversion that they get he they don't get that if he tries yeah. to take off and run if he just stays back and doesn't try to get to the quarterback. Houston wins that game in the first overtime. I'm going to blame Houston's defense for really choking that one away because that gave them new life. That gave them momentum. They scored a touchdown. And then in, in the second overtime, I think this is the second week in a row that Houston started with the ball on the first overtime and then had it again in the second overtime. And that's not a rule change because we saw Baylor-BYU where uh, Baylor got the ball first in the first overtime. Yeah, and I was, you had the back-to-back. I don't understand what's going on. I was on confused. I don't, I don't know, know what, the what happened, happened there. there. Is that like a Dana Horgerson thing? Like I have no idea. That Because I, I thought the same thing last week when that happened against UTSA because I had a big parlay on Houston, and I ended up winning because I just had Houston money line. Hmm. But um, what you're saying there, BJ, here's the thing. It's like with football, if it would have gone the other way and Houston would have won this game 27-20, to 20, we would have probably said, all right, Donovan Smith choked that game away. 
He threw that game away. And Texas Tech was a better team. You could play it both ways there. So I, I truly think Texas Tech, before Donovan Smith started making mad decisions in the second half, the first half, Texas Tech dominated. They got up 17-3 yeah. to three in this game. They were the better team, in my opinion, in this game. And that's I'm just going to leave it at that. They, they've looked better. I will say that. They looked better than I gave them credit for. We're seeing more life yeah. out of them than what we expected. Yeah. Anything more to touch on or are we good? I think we're good. Let's go on. Uh, Tyler, do you want to talk about this game or no? Don't bet on these fucking idiots. I swear. Uh, So, again, ultimately I would have lost out anyways because of Michigan not covering. Clemson West. Man, I – yeah, I mean, Brent Brent Venables doesn't impress me anyways as a head coach, and it's simply because of what he has done so far in his time, and he really is trying to become that that Dabo 2.0. It's not going to work. He's implemented the same rules. Oh, if you're going to – Commit to us and still go look at other schools and just don't commit at all. Like that's a dumb ass rule. That's just stupid, and it's not going to help you. So mm-hmm. if you want to take this this uh, university back to the Stone Ages and be in the exact same position uh, that that Clemson's in, which this game looked like a very looked like a little bit more talented version of what Clemson was uh, yesterday, then then sure, go ahead. But I am. I'm far from buying into this Oklahoma team. Now, sure, Kent State was stacking the box. They were bringing pressure. They were doing a lot of different things. But there was no excuse to only be up 7-3 at halftime. It's Kent State. Yeah. They're yeah. not very good. Mm-hmm. Once Marvin Mims really started getting going, what really concerns me about this Oklahoma team is less to do with the run game, but more to do with the reason why they have to be predicated on the run. I believe in three or four backs with with Oklahoma. I believe in Dylan Gabriel on the ground. And I even believe in Dylan Gabriel's ability to make good decisions if, you know, he doesn't just, like, try to play hero ball like he did against Louisville last year that lost them that game. Remember that pick six to kind of end that game? Um, Until Marvin Mims started getting open and taking over this game, Oklahoma found nothing offensively in the pass game. There was no wide receivers – at all for Oklahoma getting any space before Dylan Gabriel decided to step up. And he did. And that's going to be something that's concerning. I still think this defense is light years better already. Um, And not, not just after Kent state, it's just combining the two games. They were really dominating UTEP's offense until they just kind of like put, took their, you know, foot off the gas We'll definitely see what Oklahoma's made of in the meat of the Big 12 schedule and specifically against Texas, but this defense looks a lot better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this game really just kind of upset me a little bit because I, for, for how good Billy Napier coached and had his team ready for Utah, it was a complete opposite here. I felt like this was like a let's try to win Anthony Richardson the Heisman type of situation and Richardson's just not that dude. They abandoned the run game with the running backs. The quarterback run game wasn't there. And they're like, all right, we can't run the ball. Well, no, actually you just can't run with Anthony Richardson, Montreal Johnson. Kentucky was ready for that. Yeah. Really ready for the, for the quarterback run game. All Florida needed to do to run this or to win this game was not throw the ball 35 times, still throw it about 20. Like you like to do, just instead of running Anthony Richardson, you run Montreal Johnson about 15 to 20 times and Trevor Etienne 10 to 15 and give Naquan Wright a few carries. I don't think he's really all that good, but 
give give Wright a few carries here. They didn't do that. I think Etienne and Johnson had a combined like 15 carries, maybe. This was horrible to watch. And that third down stat is also the biggest indicator of why Florida lost four for 16 on third. Kentucky's offense didn't impress me much. If it wasn't for that pick six, Kentucky likely doesn't win this game. Well, I don't know. I got to wonder what 16 combined. I wonder what Kentucky's offense would look like. 16. I was close. I wonder what Kentucky's offense would look like if they didn't do the right thing and spend uh, Chris Rodriguez. Which was the right thing. You don't get it. You don't get a DUI and not and not serve like a punishment for it, whether it be either. Anthony Richardson did. Well, well, he, he did, may, but that's may because, not have missed games, but he served a suspension or something. Well, he clearly we just did don't not. know. Um, no, I doubt it. Um, Probably not. It's it's in Florida's reputation. Um, you know, I just got to say, I. I I think they'll be fine. I think they'll get that run game figured out. It's going to be tough, though. I mean, they're definitely going to have to do a lot more than what they did yesterday to, to be contenders against Georgia yeah. well, and, or, or and, even Tennessee if they, if they want to be able to get that, that monkey off their back, too. Yeah. So they're, I, they're going to need to find more. I was kind of impressed, though. You know, Smoke was the like the third or the fourth string back oh. behind, you know, uh, the Rodriguez and some of the other guys that haven't been in the first two weeks of the season. And – you know, they, they were able to get some big plays from him against this Florida defense, especially in the second half. And so I, I think Kentucky, you know, I don't know if it's just because they, they got things figured out and they've been a kind of a second half team the past few weeks or, or what the case is. But when those guys come back, I'm very interested to see what they do running the ball. I think it'll be less all on Levis and, and we'll finally get to see what this Kentucky offense looks like at full strength and, and clicking on all cylinders. Uh, Cavassier smoke is not very good. The offensive line figured it out. You can see it with Cavassier smoke in the first. Half. He's just not that good. He's not really all that explosive. He's not really all that big. He's not powerful. Chris Rodriguez is light years better, and they're definitely oh, missing yeah. out. I'm not from running back yeah. still. And the fact that they finished with 70 yards rushing in this game kind of proves that they had two in the entire first half. Yeah. That says everything to me. But, yeah, I felt like this was Florida's to take and Florida's to win, and they just kind of didn't take it, didn't win it, and that's fine. I'm not trying to take credit away from Kentucky. They were very well-coached, disciplined on defense, and they're the ones who made life difficult for Florida. I just feel like Florida could have done something to help them a little bit offensively, especially in the second half, but that's all I'm saying. Like Cam said, it was 16. Kentucky over Florida in 45 years. 45 years, yeah. yeah. And three wins after that long 31-year uh, drought. So Yeah. Mark Stoops figuring it out. All-time wins sure. leader in Kentucky history with last yep. night's win. Yep. I uh, don't want to spend too much time on this. Pretty sure Jackson Dart is going to be the guy for the growing pains that Jackson Dart's going to have in this offense. Uh, again, Judkins is a guy that lit up, you know, lit up the run game in this game, just like he kind of helped in that was Zach Evans last week. It was Zach Evans day last week. This week it was uh Judkins day. Anything more on this game or we good? There's, there's no need. Uh, I mean, right. it, it, it's much like another quarterback battle. There probably wasn't a need for it to begin the season, but they, <laughs> they brought, they had it. And we'll, we'll uh, talk about that one. In a little bit. Yeah. We'll talk about that one in a little bit. Oh, well, this is off. 
dang, Colin messed it up. But regardless, uh, 17 to 34 here. I watched a good bit of this game. Oklahoma State for a while there, they just kind of like refused to close this game out. And then they just like woke up and said, all right, we'll take this. Very yeah. impressed with Richardson on the ground. I was also very impressed with Zabian Valaday. I never really thought he was all that good, but I guess there's a difference even with Arizona State's problems. There's a huge difference between Wyoming talent on the offensive line. Yes, and Arizona Wyoming State. sucks that bad. Yeah. And Zasavian Valaday's looking pretty solid early on the season. Emory Jones is eh, still Emory Jones. Arizona State, they competed pretty hard, but Oklahoma State was just a better team. And I tried to tell you guys, like, let's not hit the panic button yet on Oklahoma State's defense. Let's also not hit the complete other end of the spectrum. Like, Oklahoma State's defense is pretty, pretty good. Like, no, we just don't know. I think they're going to come back down to earth for sure, especially compared to what they were last year under under. Um, oh my Jim god! Knowles. But uh, Derek no, Mason Knowles. is still a good. Derek coach. Mason's good. Derek Mason is a great coordinator, but it just th- there are going to be some some changes. Obviously, the scheme change and everything is going to play a role in this. Spencer Sanders was impressive. Two touchdowns. I know he threw a pick, but he, he was impressive. He's he's doing what he needs to do, and if he can do this. Mm-hmm. This Oklahoma State team can win a lot of games, but it's a matter of can we get that consistency that we've been kind of not accustomed to seeing from them. So that, that's what I'm more so taking away from this game. We've seen two really good games from them. Let's see, let's see what happens in the next couple of weeks and then continue to play it by year. They have a big game against Baylor in a few weeks. Yep, too much Eskimo Joes for ASU in this game, according to Lee Corso. For sure. Um, we're going to talk about Caleb Williams here. First off, I know Jordan Addison absolutely lit up the board with with receptions. My hot take about USC, and it's still this way, I just feel like Mario Williams is a better athlete, better in space, more versatile. He's probably going to work out of the slot a little bit more, but he's pretty versatile. I think Mario Williams is definitely the more talented wide receiver between the two. Jordan Addison is just the most experienced in season. There's a reason why he had such a great season. He's kind of making me eat eat crow about, even though I didn't ever call him a bad player, he's kind of making me eat crow with how much crap I talked about him in the offseason. He's playing really, really well, and Caleb Williams is distributing the ball to those guys and more. I could have put Travis Dye on here too, who had over 100 yes. yards rushing. Well, I was uh, just going to say, you you don't even include Travis Dye or some of those, and you can't obviously with only three lines here. This USC offense is as explosive as I, I think I've seen in a long time. Uh, you know, you go back to 2016, 2017 with Darnold and, and Juju and all those guys, but I, I would go even further back. I would say this is probably as explosive as they've been since Liner Bush back then. And I'm not saying they're that this good. I'm is, just saying that this is kind of what I'm, what I'm, where my mind's at right now with this team. This is the most explosive USC I mean, offense I can ever remember in my lifetime because I was so little. I barely remember that championship game against Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, knowing what I know about that, Stop they're probably going to put up bigger numbers. <laughs> right. They're probably going to put up bigger numbers than that offense did, regardless on if they're better or worse. They're going to put up bigger numbers. And Caleb Williams is definitely a better quarterback than I want to see a few more games. Tanner McKee did exactly what I expected him to do. And honestly, if it weren't for the turnovers, I think that this would have, they would have covered. And and BJ and I making that change would have been correct. However, I I want to see a couple more games from this USC defense, but I'm I'm getting close to that thing of saying that they are legitimate playoff contenders. Uh, It just, we're going to have to see a couple more games. 
yeah. more specifically, they got UCLA, they got Utah in a, uh, later this season. Don't even look overlook Oregon State in a couple so. weeks. Oregon That's, State yeah. is yeah. going to be really State. tough. Mm-hmm. Washington Oregon State's State. defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, the Pac-12, and I posted this, and I'm going to get clowned for this from a lot of people. The Pac-12 made a huge statement last night with those two wins against Washington State or with Washington State beating Wisconsin and Oregon State beating Fresno. I mean, a lot of people aren't going to really look at that. Fresno is a really good team, and Mm -hmm. that's games that in the past anybody outside maybe the top two – I mean, hell, the the Pac-12 champs last year lost to San Diego State. Just saying. Um, So – I am a little bit concerned that they were able to find Stanford was able to kind of find a little bit of success on the ground as well, but not that concerned. I'm also not that concerned about Michigan. Um, we'll talk about Michigan a little bit more when we talk about the rankings. Uh, Kate McNamara is not the guy. Look at that second line. What the fuck is that? This was terrible, by the way. I mean, this is a Hawaii team that was out of this game and had nothing really left to play for. And, and with McNamara in the game, the yard, the gaining yards just stopped. Like it did not happen anymore. Yeah, it was obvious from last week's game and this week's game that McNamara, the pressure was too high for him. He was not able to get it done. If that's the best camp he's ever had, I don't want to know what any worse looks like because that was <laughs> terrible. I don't know what in his mind makes him think that this is the best he's ever played because this has been absolutely miserable. JJ came out and and took what was his in the last two weeks. He's got a ninety. Four percent completion percentage over the last couple of weeks, <laughs> yeah. and I know the com- competition is not great, but you still got to come out and perform. And that's and, still and, impressive. And yeah. with the pressure of a quarterback battle like that to be the starting quarterback in Michigan, you have to come out and play your very best. He It'll did. It. He showed explosive plays, and there's a reason that he is now the starting quarterback in Michigan. Was yeah. he named the starter? Yes, I posted. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jim Harbaugh came out and named he. J.J. McCarthy is officially the starting I didn't, quarterback. I didn't you know, see that with how busy I, I was since uh, about 9.30. But, um, yeah, I mean, good, I guess, because J.J. Be. McCarthy is about to start in their biggest test so far, the mighty UConn Huskies. So. Yeah, UConn actually look like a competent football team, so good on them. But we can move on. I, there's no more need to talk about that game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about the national. What should be the perspective on these two games, and what is going to be or two teams, and what is going to be come the first week in November? I think both of these teams are at least top fifteen teams. This was a classic, old, physical type of football game where both quarterbacks were really smart, efficient. They're not necessarily going to look amazing. They're not going to light up the scoreboard, but I mean, hell. Jaron Hall did that without his top two receivers. Both teams physical. Baylor's offensive line, even though they didn't move the ball super great, they held up very well. I'm concerned a little bit about skill position at Baylor. Skill positions at Baylor is may hold them back, but, like, they ran the ball pretty well. And um, BYU, awesome on defense, awesome on offensive line. That uh, left tackle transfer, his name's like – it's like a, a Polynesian name. He transferred in from Oregon. That was the most underrated pickup huge. nationally. Huge for BYU because their offensive line is underrated and underappreciated. Really, really good yesterday. This was just a fun game to watch. And spoiler alert, I got BYU in the top 10. 
Yeah, they're they're definitely pushing their way up there. I had both teams a little lower in my rankings uh, to start the season throughout, and obviously they yeah. moved up because of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 curious to see what BYU does in the coming weeks. They do still have to play Arkansas. They have to play Notre Dame, which at the at the time seemed tough, but does not any longer. And and, and there's a couple other little tests in there that they could potentially Oregon. show some issue. Yeah, the Oregon's next week. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what BYU does become. But it, as of right now, I mean, they're making a, a claim to uh, put themselves in playoff contention. Cam, you watched this game? Yeah, I did. I absolutely did. Um, he was, he was cheering. Falling, he, was he, 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 was, he was the biggest BYU fan out there. <laughs> um, but anyways um, – I watched this game and it was it was a fantastic game. Um, we saw these two defenses play both very well um, at times. Um, BYU definitely played really well offensively too, though. That's the biggest defense. That that's the biggest difference in this game. Um, BYU's offense was just more consistent than Baylor's. Um, we saw we saw it at times. Baylor tried to get away from that rushing attack that was working for the most part, by the way. They did a good job of rotating through running backs as well and staying fresh. But once they tried to get away from it, like Baylor really struggled, and that was the key difference in this game. Um, but yeah, that defense for BYU looked really good and credit to coach Sitake for having his team ready. Like it was a fantastic game and Provo is a solid home environment. It's not going to give them too play, much yeah. credit, not going to mm-hmm. give them too much credit. Um, but it, yeah, overall, very good game. Yeah, it was definitely awesome to see. Any final thoughts real quick or no? I, I think that uh, there is a definite concern for Baylor, their skill positions. I think Shapin played composed composed at times, I should say. Um, but he's – I think they're missing something. This this rushing attack is, is not nearly as explosive as it was a year ago when, when you had, uh, you know, Abram Smith and, and – um, uh, I can't remember the other uh, other guy's name off the top of my head, but they 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 at times it was like like you said it was a physical game last night, but there's there is something missing with this Baylor offense, and you know this give credit where credit's due to BYU they had a good game, you know Hall had just played amazing at times in that fourth quarter, but. College kickers, man. That was, that's what I took away. Right, there were yeah. times for multiple kickers. for both of these teams could have won this game if it had been before even <laughs> overtime. Had it not been for right. college kickers. Yeah. Including the closer that BYU had at the end of regulation. Oh Holy crap, man. This was such a Ooh, game. This was yeah. game of the year. Uh, better than any game. Because I felt like Oregon State's defense really, really showed up. They just played a really, really tough loaded wide receiver room and a really, really tough uh, Fresno State offense, and at the end of the day, Oregon State, they score. 
Fresno State scores. Oregon State comes down and, and gets that Wildcat touchdown. Jonathan Smith, early nominee for Coach of the Year so far. Um, or at least I think he could be projected to be Coach of the Year because this Oregon State team is looking really, really solid early on. It's just a matter of if they can keep it going. I really like the decision-making that Chance Nolan has done. Even though he's right around 50% passing, he takes care of that football. And Fenwick running the ball, and they also just run the ball really, really well. Uh, they're just a solid team, and they're going to give a lot of teams problems in the Pac-12. Yeah, I had this Oregon State team at 9-3 and three coming into the year, and this was one of the three losses I had. Uh, Got to give credit where credit's due because this was a great back-and-forth game, as you'd want in this kind of a game. Oregon State had never won in Fresno before last Yeah, night. never. And it was just a crazy game. Looked like it was going to go to overtime. Fresno tries to ice the kicker, and Oregon State's like, you know what? Well, screw you then. We're going to go for the win. And they get it. And just you got to admire John Tortorella. I think he wasn't awake for it last night, but if he was, he would have said, well, that took some balls to, to make that call in that spot because it was just a ballsy play, a, you know, a, just the, to have that call and ready when you know you've got overtime looming. But also, again, college kickers, Fresno State had a couple of chances earlier in the, the fourth quarter to really kind of put the game away. Missed some kicks, kept Oregon State in it, and they capitalized. For sure. If you guys didn't get a chance to catch this game, rewatch at least the last four minutes of the game. What a tremendous finish. And it was just back and forth the entire night, too. So it was pretty awesome to see. Uh, so that closes out the slides that we have in the in the game previews. Yeah. <laughs> it did take a really long time, time, but there was a lot to talk about. Talk we had a lot to uh, talk about. Real quick before we go into the top 25 there, we got a few things. Best and worst of the oh, week. Hang on. Do you want to I, do I, the I, lock? We want, I wanted to bring this up real quick. So the Sunbelt Conference, three wins over, you consider all three power five schools. Notre Dame technically plays an ACC schedule for the most part now. Um, That's still know, a power Texas, five. Yeah, Texas A&M and um, – then, of course, Georgia Southern beating Notre Dame or Nebraska. Overall, a really solid week for the Sun Belt. Is the Sun Belt that good, or were the teams that they played that bad? I'm concerned. Both. I'm concerned about Coastal. Mm -hmm. oh, what was that? That was that was. But they had a game like that last year too. Yeah. It, so when the conference Coastal has year, one game, exactly, that's what I'm saying. They like had that. they had a game, and I think it was actually to that same team too, Gardner Webb. Was it really? I think so. No, no, no. I'd have to go back to last year's schedule to, to, but yeah, it was a it was a rough game for Coastal. But I mean, the Sun Belt looks strong. They have a lot of really solid teams right now. Georgia State played close again with another Power Five team. Uh, they played a really good game against South Carolina, and as I expected, they hung really close with North Carolina. And unfortunately, that game pushed. But you know that that's a that's a good game there too. So I'm I'm liking what the Sun Belts are bringing to the table. And I wanted to bring that to light because, of course, they did beat some bad teams, of course, like Nebraska. And I don't think they beat bad teams. I think they beat bad coach teams, poorly coached teams. However, big, wins big are wins, power five or not. Uh, you you got to take those where you get them. And uh, I think that's a, a, a thing to note for this week. Think, three power five thinking wins. thinking of Buffalo last year, Tyler. Coastal. Yeah, they struggled against 20, Buffalo. 20, well, they struggled against Buffalo. I thought they struggled against another power or another FCS team last no. year. No, 
No, they yeah. beat the Citadel they, like fifty-two fourteen. So this okay. is compiled. either way. Anyways, either way, they have that one game a year where they catch the struggle bus and win a game closer than it probably should be. But yeah, you're a hundred percent right, Tyler. I vote that we change that to Sunbelt Supremacy. By the way, because um, they've looked. Yeah, I was about to say good. spoilers. I was supposed to say spoilers, but oh well. Okay. Anyways, now we're on to our best and worst of the week. So we'll start with best of the week. And my best of the week, upsets are back. They're not just little upsets either. They're big-time upsets. 17-plus mm-hmm. point favorites coming out here and knocking teams off. Marshall, a 20-and-a-half-point 20, 20 underdog. App State, a 17-and-a-half-point underdog when we did it in Pick'em, but I think it was up to 18-and-a-half or even 19. I think I got 19-and-a-half myself. I uh, Man, I, I do want to give myself a little bit of a – I, I'm going to give myself the 50% credit BJ told me I could take, and I, I agree with him. I did tell you guys that game was going to be close between Marshall and Notre Dame. Yeah. Not yeah. one thought I ever had, though, that that game was going to end up in a no. Notre Dame loss. No, but no. again, they, they they win. Washington State, a 17-point underdog, wins. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was another. Like, I mean, Kentucky was a six-point underdog in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. That means something, and they come out mm-hmm. and win that game. Um. You know, it's just it's cool to see upsets happening. Texas, a twenty and a half point underdog, loses by just one point on a late field goal. Mm-hmm. That is what and you're here for. That's what football is all about. We saw Tennessee beat Pittsburgh in overtime, and what could have been an upset there. I mean, uh, there, there were just upset ranking so, ones. But yeah, well, no, not that. No, I'm talking spread. about it winning yeah. would have been an upset for the spread. Yeah. I was, but, I said ranking wise. That's all I meant. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, upsets are back. College football's back. Liberty beat UAB. Cam's mm-hmm. upset pick was correct. That's something we didn't talk about. Locks of the well, week. We talked about lock implications here. And, you know, Colin got his his lock. Uh, mine flopped on its face in the first fucking quarter. Uh, and then Evan Hall really left let it loose at the end of that game, um, literally. BJ gets it with Penn State over Ohio. Cam gets both lock and upset with – Memphis winning by way more than six over Navy and Liberty with a plus six and a half win over UAB. Uh, Boston College and Arizona did not get it done for uh, Colin and I, so they fall out. Well, uh, Mississippi State, man, don't sleep on them. They're a really good team. They put they put Arizona to bed last night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So but best again, and worst. Best of the week. Minor upsets are back. BJ, what do you got? I think my best is Sam Hartman's bag. You talk about how well I knew that was coming. That's why I went with something else. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I mean, it's easy to say upsets, but, uh, you know, just the way that he played, you know, we talked about 18 to 27, 304 touchdowns against a Vandy team that we thought might be able to keep this a little bit more competitive, or at least some people did. Um, I, I just I think that's phenomenal, and I think he's added even more to this Wake offense than what we already expected. Yeah. Yes, um, Mr. Colin Dashnagel. So the rankings are out. I got like a smudge on my camera. I need to fix the AP. But, that's the yeah, coach's the poll. A, or the AP polls out. Mm-hmm. It is top yeah. twenty-five. Georgia one. Georgia is number one. 53 first place votes. Alabama two with nine first place votes. Three is Ohio State with one first place vote. Four, Michigan. Five, Clemson. Clown show that Clemson is five still. Six, yeah. Oklahoma. Seven, USC. Eight, Oklahoma State, which is high. Wow. Nine, Kentucky. Wow. Ten, Arkansas. 
I think Arkansas deserves to be higher, Arkansas but that's definitely, yeah. Michigan State 11, mm -hmm. BYU 12. I also believe BYU should be higher. Miami mm -hmm. 13, Utah 14, Tennessee 15, 16 is NC State. So after their loss, that was a win. So 2-0, even though the pollsters viewed that as a loss, they're, they're back up to 16. Baylor at 17 did not drop much after the loss. Dropped eight. Yeah, I mean that's not that much though when you went uh, with all things considered, you know. Well, um, it's more than Florida dropped. That's true, but Florida also has a win against Utah. Um 18 Florida, 19 Wake Forest, 20 Ole Miss, 21 Texas. So Texas, who lost last week, was unranked and now they're ranked 21. I don't necessarily wow. disagree with that. I was but, gonna say I did, I did not I dropped them but I dropped them very minimally in mine compared to some of the other teams that lost so I was yeah. I dropped them very minimally as very well minimally, the only reason why they were outside in mine is because they were literally twenty fifth yeah so yeah, 20, to, 20, 22 is Penn State twenty three is Pittsburgh twenty four is Texas A and M I think Pitt should not be in the top twenty five by the way. No, 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 and neither should A and M. And in my opinion, some of you guys disagree. My opinion, Oregon should not be in the top ten, top twenty-five until yeah. they prove something. Um, yeah. Until they prove they... that. Go ahead. The issue for me and why they were in mine is that they weren't. Sorry, BJ, but is that they, <laughs> the teams that lost in front of them, I had no one behind them left to put in, so I, I kind of had to leave them where they were. <laughs> you guys, did, did you guys look get... at? I was Hold just going to say, I did not drop them out after the Georgia game. And I, I think, I'm, you know, I thought that just to, to, you know, that just shows how good Georgia is. And so I, I didn't drop them that far, but they're not in anywhere, you know, I think they're like top 20, I think now. Okay. Just a real quick question. Have any of you guys looked at the poll yet? Looked at it? I haven't pulled up here. Hey, people. Okay, BJ, do you know, don't say it, but do you know who um, was first in receiving the first I, team out? No, I don't have that. Okay, guess. Guess. Up. All three of you guys, guess who, who the first team out was. Well, I don't have those. Uh, but guess. I do. Guess. It's either App State or Notre Dame. He said App State. App State. At, App North State. Carolina. I'll, I'll go Notre Dame. It's Marshall. Ooh. Oh, it's wow. the first team out. Wow. Wow. So that's uh, it, it's Marshall, Cincinnati, App State, Kansas State, North Carolina, Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State's underrated. Florida State, Oregon State, Oregon State nationally underrated. Mm -hmm. Minnesota, Washington State, Notre Dame, Air Force is receiving votes. Good. Texas Tech, Wisconsin, Auburn, Iowa State, and Purdue. Wow. And Penn State is ranked. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't talk about Penn State. My best of the week now is a guy that I was really, really high on. Penn State did not have a 100 yard rusher the, all year last year, a buck 70 from Nick Singleton against Ohio. I know it's Ohio, but do you guys know how big of a deal that is for Penn State to just not only get a 100 yard rusher, but 10 carries, 170 yards, had a 70 yard touchdown and a 44 yard touchdown. I believe awesome game. I remembered seeing the stats right. That was their first time going over 200 yards. Or that was actually their most rushing yards since 2018. Yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Miles Sanders. So, yep. Yeah, that was that, that's big for that is big for Penn State to get that that's done. Massive. I know it's Ohio, and it, it, I'm not I'm not buying fully into it the way you did, but I I do think that it is impressive. 
But I mean, Nick Singleton is just a freak. If they don't figure out what's going on, it's either like what's going on in the run game. It's either run scheme or offensive line. It is definitely not running backs because you saw that with Nick Singleton, what he was able to do. Uh, I'm just this kid's an absolute freak. So that's my best of the week. Cam, what's yours? My best of the week is I actually have Kansas football. They're two and zero for the first time in a long time. And I'll tell you right now, they got down in a game early to Mm -hmm. West Virginia and and found a way to fight back. That's not something that that Kansas would do. Kansas in many situations because they're just they're not used to that. They're not they're not a team that wins very often. So the way they did it, Mm -hmm. I like I like where you went with that, Cam. That's a that's a good pick. That's awesome. Lance Leopold's doing good stuff already. Yeah, you know. And, and we can talk about Lance Leipold doing good. I mean, we also can – I mean, I know Vandy is 2-1. and one. They didn't look great last, yesterday. But but Clark Lee is doing a good job She's over there awesome, in, yeah. in Nashville, yeah. too. That's a team that, that again, they're going to struggle because they're in the SEC. They don't really have the NIL funds and stuff available to them Not, and, and the academic part of things as well. I was going to say. But that, that, is a, that is a team that, that will eventually, you know, go from that 1-2 win mark two, four wins, and, and maybe even five some years when they have the experience. Anyways, I'll be back in just a minute, though. Okay, Anyways, you'll go last again. Worst worst of the week. Well, for me, it was my locks and upsets. But also, and now it no longer matters, it was Scott Frost's job security is, at, <laughs> is the worst thing this week. Well, it's very clear that that was correct because he is gone. So <laughs> I guess we're all right with that. Yeah. So we talked about the strength of the Sun Belt yesterday. And my worst of the week is the Mountain West. I was not impressed with what I saw. Nevada, yeah. a two-touchdown loss to Incarnate Word, which is doesn't even have Cam Ward anymore. Not as great of a – you know. As, or their as head coach, the, first-year head coach. They're, they're, sorry, go ahead. First-year head coach. Cam Ward is mm-hmm. actually at Washington State because the head coach at Incarnate Word took the offensive coordinator yeah. job at Wazoo. Yeah, so first-year head coach and incarnate word goes in and not only wins against Nevada in Nevada, but wins by two touchdowns. That An incarnate word team that was picked to finish second in the Southland Conference in the FCS ranks, I should know because I've got a reason to pay attention to the FCS ranks now. But also not just Nevada, but you talk about Colorado State, a 15-point loss to Middle Tennessee. You know, UNLV, they 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 looked a little bit more impressive. They only lost by six at Cal, at Cal but... Um, Utah State, 35-7 home loss to Weber State. I know that Cam's not here for this, but I'm going to blast. Like, what Good. the hell was that? What the hell? You know, why Why is the defending Mountain West champs losing by four touchdowns at home to Weber State? So that that's that's enough from, from me. San Jose State, they were impressive. They I think that's more just because Auburn is complete dog ass. Uh, but, dog ass. And then, yeah, dog ass. And then Fresno, we I'm not going to criticize Fresno for losing that game because it was a great game and it was one of those that could have easily gone either way. But, yeah, but Mountain West really did not impress me this week like it like it did last year. Um, my worst of the week is Alabama fans. <laughs> Alabama fans are my worst of the week because Alabama fans are so predictable too. I, I said this. I posted it on Facebook. Alabama's going to find a way to win, and it'll be a lot like the Auburn game. Bryce Young is so clutch. He deserves the Heisman. He deserved it last year, and this is proof of that. They handed a win's a win. They, they, they did, yeah. 
and, and you know, I'm not great. one to complain about refs. I'm, I'm really not. I, I very rare. I know, but I very rarely talk about the refs. Honestly, and it's not that the, hard. The calls, the the safety that should have been that wasn't because one, he was down, and two, it was intentional grounding, and three, targeting was the most bullshit thing I've ever seen for that play. Yeah. And then we go later. The scramble that got them into that field goal position. There was a blatant fucking hold on the edge to where he was running to. It was not like it was it it was on the other side of the field. It was directly in front of the of the ref, directly in front of Bryce Young when he was coming around the corner. I saw it when the play was going on. I was like, I was like, yeah. Hey, I was like, didn't and then he watched the replay. And you could see him grab right here and pull him back. Like, where the fuck are these guys at right there? So there and there was a bunch. I mean, I know Alabama, and there and there were their fans were like. Well, we got penalized like ten plus times. Like, yeah, because you're undisciplined. As shit. You, you yeah, and then, yeah. Then you yeah. go out and you stood. You got away with two right there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you should have been penalized more. It's Dude. it's a shame, as a matter of fact. Alabama fans are like, no, I don't really care when I ask them this question. Bring up one example of a bullshit call that went against you, because I know damn well you're probably yelling at the TV. Show me the screenshot because I took a picture of the the field. And said, there's no intended receiver there that Bryce Young's throwing it. He's just flinging the ball. That's intentional grounding. He's inside the pocket. There's a picture of him inside the pocket flinging the ball, which, again, I I referenced it. Alabama fans, for some reason, thought the pocket was – this is why they're just NASCAR fans who's only football fans when Alabama's good. No, no offense to NASCAR. Like, NASCAR is entertaining, and you guys love it. Raise hail, praise hail. Right. I'm not shitting on NASCAR. That's literally what Alabama fans are, though. When Alabama's irrelevant, they could care. They give no shits about Alabama. They only care They'd about NASCAR. They'd much rather be at Talladega. You're right. 100% correct. Right. And they don't know football because they think, for some reason, the hashes is the tackle box. The hash marks are the tackle box. And then, man, I'm like, okay, show me proof that one of those 15 penalties that you guys had was bullshit. They couldn't do it because that's just not the case. Um, Alabama fans, you're the worst of the week, clearly. Gosh, you do not deserve the success that you've had. Yeah. You really, really do not. Talk about people that were born on third base. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Damn. they did have to go through that one tragic UL Monroe loss. I know. Oh, it's no. oh my bad. gosh! Or they had they had to go through that one year of missing the playoff. UL yeah. Monroe, that's wow. cute. <laughs> Is yeah, the worst of the week for you, I, Utah State? Um, no, actually, I I figured one of you guys would at least put them on blast. I was listening to you guys. Um, thank you, BJ. I love you, You're dude. Welcome. I know. Um, I know you do. Wearing socks. I am wearing socks. <laughs> um, but worst of the week. Worst of the week. I I I gotta say, worst of the week. I gotta say the A and M offense. Just that looked complete and utter garbage and. Appalachian State does not have the best defense in the Sun Belt. And Tyler will understand this. They were able to beat the dog food out of you. Like that that was unacceptable by that AM offense. Like they they Haynes King looked inept and has not grown a single bit as a quarterback. Um like, yeah, I just got to say a ms offense as a whole just 
god awful. All right. Well, best and worst of the week, right there. That was and now players of the week, and I'm gonna go first here. Kalen LeBourne from Marshall, 31 carries, 163 yards, and a touchdown. Now, it would have been very easy for me to go with Sam Hartman. I know somebody else has probably got him on their list, so I'm not going to worry about that. But Kalen LeBourne has to be the guy. He replaces Rasheen Ali, who was hurt this week and was unable to play against uh, was unable to play against Notre Dame and comes out and has a great game. Shows that they have a second option at running back and, and – Really helped help that Marshall team salt the game away when it mattered most. I I give it give him all the credit there in terms of their offense and that their defense made plays. But as I said, LeBorn is my player of the week. I thought about Sam Hartman as my player of the week, but since I put him as my best of the week, I went a different route. So I'm going to take Cameron Peoples, Appalachian State, 19 for 112 on the ground, along a 48. Really, just where they needed to go when they wanted to keep running the ball and, and pounding it down down the throat of AM. App State gets their second top 10 win all time uh, in beating number six Texas AM. And a large reason why is because of Cameron Peoples and his game on the ground yesterday. Yeah, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Frank Harris at UTSA. That was a classic game against Army that we just didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. And I could have, I could have just kind of been like I told you, and and brought up Nick Singleton, but it was against Ohio. Those are two very evenly matched teams. Really, really good G five because we consider Army G five. Two really, really good top tier G five teams battling out just like Houston and UTSA did the week before. Mm-hmm. And Texas is going to have their hands full with Frank Harris in that wide receiving core. Uh, so Frank Harris is that guy. For me, I'm going to go with Hinton Hooker. Um, he had a really good game against Pitt um, and a Pitt defense that's been solid so far this year. Um, he looked good. He made a lot of smart choices with the ball, was very efficient, didn't give Tennessee opportunities to beat themselves. Um a lot of the mistakes were more so I feel like like what Colin was saying when we was talking about that game, more like the coaching staff. But I I was impressed by what I saw out of Hinden Hooker. I'm just right. gonna throw this out here too, real quick about that UTSA game. Three receivers had twenty seven receptions in that game for right about three hundred yards. Spread that ball around. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, Clark Cephas and Franklin. Which the receivers are really good there. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being done, lastly for this show, which has gone longer than I think we thought we would, but it's Mm -hmm. okay. A huge week. Loudmouth Top 25 is out once again. Uh, We just talked about the AP poll being out. Well, this is our, our ranking, and as you can see, there is a change at the top. Georgia is now the number one team in the Loudmouth Top 25. I was the only one holding this back from being a clean sweep at the top of the list. Um, anyways, Alabama 2, Ohio State 3, Michigan 4. Arkansas finds their way into not only continuing to move up, but they find their way into the top five. Oklahoma at number six, uh, Clemson at number seven, uh, rightfully dropping due to just pretty poor play <laughs> against lesser opponents. 
They're lucky yeah. they didn't drop farther. Yeah, yeah. I had them at nine. Yeah, yeah, I had them. I think seven and eight in mine. Uh, NC State up to eight. USC into the top ten. They're at number nine. BYU into the top ten. They're at ten. Miami, Utah, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, and Kentucky. Even I have BYU at ten. By yeah. the way, just wanted to throw that one out there. Yeah, you are all in the top fifteen. Miami, Utah, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, and Kentucky. Wanted to repeat those names. Wake Forest, Baylor, Tennessee, Ole Miss, North Carolina finds their way into the top 20. And then Penn State, Florida, UCLA, Texas, and Oregon are now inside the top 25. And I think they are kind of kind of stayed there anyways. Oregon was in at 23 and dropped down two spots. Receiving votes for those who are not watching this on YouTube. Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Minnesota, Appalachian State, Kansas State, and Oregon State. So a lot of disparity here. I mean, we have six teams, as usual, who are receiving votes that are not in the top 25 mm-hmm. currently. But I think there's a couple teams here that are about a week away from maybe finding their way in there. Uh, Coastal Carolina dropped out. They were they didn't even receive votes. A&M dropped out. Notre Dame dropped all the way from our top 10 all the way out due to – they didn't even uh, receive a single vote no. and no votes at all. No, they um, shouldn't have that. And, and, and Marshall didn't either. <laughs> Marshall did not receive a vote either. And, and maybe that's a, a mistake on some of our parts, but I don't think Marshall we'll was the team that we're looking at right now as a top 25 team. The top 25 is, you know, unfortunately taken up by power five for the most part outside of BYU, who is obviously independent. Even they, they play a power five schedule. Look, if BYU goes 12 and 0, they're going to make the playoff. If they go they 11, can go 11 and 1 and probably be they, they're going to be in the conversation if they go 11 and 1. This is so, 100% yeah. dominated by the power five, frankly, because it was it, it's kind of seeming like it's a little bit of a down year for the G5. There's not really that team. We'll see if yeah. that changes, but there's not really that team at the G5 level right now. I will yeah, say not, if, if not at the moment. Fresno had won. I, they would have been in my top 25. I, I had yeah, either the Fresno State or Oregon State winner uh, in my top 25. Yeah, so, that was my 25th team there as well, like so, what BJ was saying. And yeah, honestly, so. for me, so far, I feel like one of the reasons why is that group about 10, uh, at least on my rankings, um, that that group for from about tenth to about eighteenth, nineteenth, those are those teams are all practically interchangeable, like with what we've seen from them so far. Like there is a lot of parity within that stretch there. I, I think the point differential on a neutral site field between number six and number twenty three could e- you could easily make it. Four to five points. Yeah, even even twenty. We're gonna points, see you can, it. You can make. You yeah. can easily make that four to five points in that differential. Mm-hmm. Absolutely between all of those, and I don't think it, if we're doing it in, in that kind of a sense, I think there are five teams right now who have shown themselves above the rest right now. Those being the, our top five: Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, and Arkansas. Now, Michigan has not played anybody. I understand that they're gonna get that test in week four against Iowa who is absolute shit. So I don't know if that's going to help either. Yeah. But the offense is going to get that test. I think those five teams are, are are legitimately right now kind of above the rest, and everybody else is trying to find their way into that mix. Yeah, I mean, like 
But I, I'm just going to throw this out here, though. I really don't think any of these teams are really head head over heels. They're, they're not all just better. Like, Georgia is capable of losing. I still think that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have Oregon in my top 25, and I didn't even consider them. I wasn't even really close to Oregon, you know? Um, and then you're talking about Alabama. They definitely look beatable on Saturday. Ohio State, you still don't really know who they are because we, we don't really know what Notre Dame is and is going to become. Michigan, we don't know really what they are because they haven't played anybody. Arkansas is the most battle-tested. Arkansas is the most battle-tested team in this entire top 25, and that's why they're number five. We have respect for Cincinnati. We have collective respect for South Carolina. And Arkansas took care of business against both of them. So that's why Arkansas is number five. Yeah, yep. it's amazing they're not getting more love from the AP poll, by the way. I can't believe because they played a hell of a game yesterday. Honestly, South Carolina showing up the way they did was more so an indictment on them than it was on, on Arkansas because Arkansas still dominated on it front up front on offense. Yeah. I, you know, that's what I'll say about uh, AP poll. Keep sleeping on Arkansas. We'll be we'll be hyping them up. We'll be talking about yeah. them. And when they prove people, you know, when they prove us right, potentially on October first, we'll we'll be there to say, hey, we've been high on Arkansas even since the preseason. We told you so. Yeah. And if Arkansas loses by that one point, or perhaps wins, I would expect them to jump not only into that top ten where they're not right now, but and if they're not at that point, but they will jump into the top five easily. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this uh, this week. Long, long podcast here, but well-deserved with the chaos we had in week two. And yeah. it's Fantastic going to be a chaotic mm-hmm. final 12 weeks before we hit the bowl season. So yeah. thank you guys for tuning in. We have TikToks on each of our uh, name tags before you podcast listeners. I'm Bash Ellison. Cam? Cam Loudmouth88. BJ. Loudmouth BJ. Tyler. Isolate LSN. So So make sure you guys check us out. Keep an eye on our Twitter. We're going to keep working to try to expand our brand and try to make everything better as far as content goes. So go ahead. We're we're doing a better job, but there's still some work to be done. So we'll get it it worked out as we go along. We're still trying to work out the kinks of, of, of the growth side of things, really. I mean, we're doing a good job in content. We just need to get get more growth so thank everybody who does tune in weekly um but we will share, uh, share with friends if you want to yeah we'll see you on wednesday week three preview should definitely not be this long god save the queen <laughs>